Good evening, Matthew chapter 6. If you will turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, we will be looking at verses 25 through 34. If you will stand with me for the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let us pray. Father of grace, we thank you that we can come before you this evening to worship you, for you are worthy of our worship, and we pray that, that as we open the word this evening, Lord, that you would open our hearts and that you would deposit this great truth that Jesus is teaching to us this evening, and we ask these things in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. In marketing, there is a term coined fear appeal or fear-based marketing, and it's a highly effective sales strategy that capitalizes upon human desire. Our desire for things like safety, comfort, security, peace, and health. And so what fear appeal is, or fear-based marketing, it, it taps into that desire that we have for those things, and it, and it presents a threat to such things, which creates fear in people and it's very effective. It's effective in, for businesses or for the government or for the media. It's an effective tool to, to create more customers or to create more views, create a captive audience. And so as we're inundated by new and greater things that we are supposed to fear, if we're not careful, it can quickly distract us from the kingdom of God. And it can produce within us a deep-seated sense of fear manifesting itself in worry and anxiety. And this evening, as we look at Matthew chapter 6, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus has taken his followers upon the mountain and is teaching them about the kingdom of God and kingdom living. And, and in our passage, we will learn about kingdom living as it pertains to worrying and anxiety. And as he begins in verse 25, right off the bat, he calls us to not worry. 
But first he says, therefore. So he's saying, in light of these things that I have been teaching you, do not worry. And specifically prior to what he has said in this passage, he has told us to not lay up our treasures on this earth. Instead, we're to lay up our treasures in heaven. He has called us to, to not serve riches, but to serve God. And so in light of these things, in light of how we are to live, we are not to worry. He uses the word worry six times in this passage as he calls us to not worry. If you look at the, the, the Bible as a whole, he uses the worry more times in this passage uh, than, than any other concentrated section of Scripture. And he calls us to not even worry even about the most basic things in this life. Is not life more than these things, than, than food and, and clothing and eating and drinking, even these basic things that we all require? He's calling us to recognize that life is so much more than this. And verse 25 is really fleshed out as Jesus continues. In verses 26 through 30, he will really set, set the stage on his, his teaching on worrying as he gives us vivid examples and illustrations on why we need not to worry. As he teaches on the lilies and he points us to the birds and tells, uh, tells us to look to them. Preachers often try doing this as, as we preach. We give illustrations or we give word pictures. We, we give, we give these, these ideas to people in order so that they can take truth and that they can digest it, so that they can remember it, so that it can be memorable to them. And that's exactly what Jesus does as he teaches in parables and he gives vis, vivid illustrations. And that's exactly what he will do. If you turn with me to verse 26, he calls us to look at the birds. He says, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? We know that birds don't sow or reap. They don't go into the fields. They, they don't work. They don't carry anything with them. But God provides for them. They don't put their food in barns. Just like in Luke chapter 12, Jesus warns us of the man who, who gains riches and he is so proud of what he has done and, and all the pronouns point to him in that passage in Luke 12 as he's pointing to what he has gained and, and the provision that he has, has made and he's going to tear down his barns. He's going to build bigger barns, but he's warned that he will lose his life that night. And so Jesus is pointing to the birds and, and, and calling us to live like the birds, to trust in our God. And God feeds them. They can depend upon him. And he says, are we not more value than they? He's using an argument from the lesser to the greater. Saying, if God will provide for these birds, will he not more so provide for us? Will he not even greater provide for his people? The Arctic tern it is a bird that has the greatest migration pattern of all the birds. It literally travels annually from the North Pole to the South Pole. 44,100 miles is its average migration pattern that it, it completes annually. And I, as I was researching this bird, I saw that it lives for 20 years, has an average 20-year lifespan, so it can make this trek 20 times within its life. Uh, they tracked one that actually traveled almost 65,000 miles because it had gone out of the way a couple of countries. 
And so this bird can travel from the north to the South Pole. And in all my research, I couldn't find where it carried a backpack or where it carried a trailer with it or where it went to stores along the way. No, because obviously that would be foolish, right? We understand that birds don't do such things. Birds just pick up food along the way. They do exactly what they were created to do by our Father in heaven, and they depend upon him for, for every piece of seed, every, every piece of grain or berry that they pick up along the way. They are doing exactly what they were created to do. And so if God will provide for these birds, if God will provide for the Arctic tern and, and every other bird that's out there, will he not so much more provide for us? That's exactly what he's telling us. So much more can we trust in him. His point about worrying is that it's, it's, not, it's not necessary. Worrying is not necessary for the people of God. He's not calling us to, to abandon our possessions uh, his, his point is that the, the bird doesn't have to worry, right? The bird does not have to worry, and neither do we. We don't have to worry about where our next meal is coming from. We don't need to worry about the things of this life. And you may not be worried about where your next meal is coming from, but there's certainly things that we worry about, whether it's our job or a situation in our family. Maybe there's a family strife that, that you're going through right now. Or maybe there's... There's a, there's a struggle in your marriage, or even your children are, are struggling, or it's just the future of our country. Maybe that is troubling you. Whatever the case might be, whatever is worrying or troubling you, we can trust in our Lord. So whatever that might be in your life, you can just fill in the blank of what it is that's causing worry in your life, and you can look to the birds. You can remember your heavenly Father who provides for that bird, that bird that's sitting in your backyard, or as you're driving down the road and you see those birds on the wire. You can recognize that just as our Father provides for them, so much more will he provide for us. And as he continues, he will move to another metaphor. But first he says in verse 27, he asks a question, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Which of us can add one cubit to our statue? Stature, now, a cubit is a unit of measure in, in biblical times. So a, a unit of measure and a stature is, is just, is just the, our kind of our size, our stature, right? And so who can add even just a little bit to ourselves, right, to our, our life, to our lifespan is, is what the typical interpretation is of this passage, is, is this idea that we can add nothing to our life through worrying, that, that we can add not a single, single inch of height or width or anything to our lives through worrying. It provides no value for us. Now, in business, that's something that you often ask is in business, is what value does this add? If there's a new project uh, in the workplace that's going to be begun, they, people will ask, well, what value will this have? Why would I invest in this? What value does this have? Well, you could ask the same thing for worrying. What value does it have for your life? And Jesus is telling us, absolutely nothing. That's why he's asking us this rhetorical question. We can add nothing to who we are through worrying. And actually, medical studies would show, would prove this out and show uh, exactly how important it is to not worry because worrying can cause stress and anxiety and, and fear and, and can actually take, take stature off of your life, take cubits off of your stature. And so we are not to worry. There was a study that, that during this time period, during COVID alone, 
that prescriptions being filled have increased from anywhere between 10 to possibly 30% for, the, for, for drugs pertaining to the following struggles, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, and anti-insomnia prescriptions. 10 to 30% increase, and that's on already record years of use of these things. And so we're just looking at just the last two years alone, the increase in people who are struggling with things like fear, anxiety, and worry. And so it's very clear that this is a common problem, and, and it infiltrates our hearts, and it causes us to fear and, and to, to struggle. And so we are to take our cue from God's created order, is what Jesus is pointing us to. And that's where he points us to the lilies in verse 28. He says, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. So as we look to the lilies, we see that they are beautifully clothed. He goes on to say, and yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed, arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Solomon was the wealthiest of the kings. He was the wealthiest of the kings, and so most certainly he had an extensive wardrobe, and his kingly garments would have been amazing. And so Jesus is pointing to Solomon and saying, even Solomon in his best garments was not as beautiful as, as my created flowers that I've created, the lilies of the field. We can all appreciate flowers, right, as, as that has, is one of the hallmarks of giving people that you love is that you would give them flowers because they are inherently beautiful, and God has created them to be beautiful. And Jesus is pointing to those flowers saying, even Solomon in all of his splendor has nothing on these beautiful flowers. And it is God that has provided. It is God who has given these flowers, their beauty. It is God who has done this. And what do these lilies do to achieve this? Absolutely nothing. They don't toil. They don't spin. They don't work hard. They, they don't uh, pick up thread and a needle to make themselves garments. Again, it is God who does this. It is God who provides for them. So again, he's not telling us not to work. He's not saying don't work because the lilies don't work. His point is don't worry. Obviously, the Bible makes it very clear that we are to work, that, that work is good, that actually laziness is ungodliness. He's pointing us to the reality of not worrying. He's saying, like the lilies, don't worry. Don't, don't fret about these things. He's saying that we can worry less than the birds, less than the lilies. And his whole point is they don't worry at all. They don't worry at all, and we can worry even less than they worry. We can trust in our God. I think it's helpful what D.A. Carson, uh, a, a biblical commentator, says about worrying. He says to worry is to have learned nothing from natural creation. If the created order testifies to God's eternal power and divine nature, it testifies equally to his providence. So again, he's saying, have we learned anything from, from natural creation, from what God has created? If we do, we would see God's providence. We would see his hand of providence in the created order. And if we look to that, it would encourage us, and we would not worry. But he knows that this way of thinking, it, it's not natural to us, which is why he challenges our faith. At the end of verse 30, he says, O you of little faith. 
It's easy for us to understand theologically that God provides, but it's another thing to put it into practice. We can say, yes, God, theologically, I know that you provide. If I asked everyone to raise their hand in this room this evening, I'm confident that everyone would understand that, yes, God provides. But it's that practical aspect of our lived-out faith that, yes, practically, theologically, I know that God provides, but then there's that day-to-day walking with the Lord, abiding in Christ, and actually trusting that. And that's where, where our faith, our daily walk, needs to match our theological understanding. It needs to match what we already know to be true. We know that it is true that he provides. So let us live that out. Let us trust in that, to have our comfort in that. Ultimately, the heart of anxiety, the heart of worry, is unbelief. That's why Jesus points us to that. He says, oh, you of little faith. When we worry, ultimately, we are actually questioning God's ability to care for us. When we worry, we are questioning his ability to care for us in that area. So there's an area in our life where we are, are worrying and we are having anxiety over it, that's an area where we are struggling to trust in God. For whatever that particular thing is, we, we say, yes, Lord, I know that you are sovereign. I know that you're sovereign over all things. But in this particular area, I'm clinging on tight to it. I'm struggling to let you in, to trust in you and depend upon you. You know what I love about the Old Testament, and, and it's certainly true of the New Testament also, but in the Old Testament, you very clearly see God's hand at work. You, you see it very clearly throughout salvation history in the Old Testament. It's so clear as day to see. And so look to that same hand of God. That same hand of God present throughout the Old Testament is present in our lives today. We can have that same confidence that God is at work in our lives So let us look to that hand of God and let our faith be bolstered. So as Jesus is challenging us, saying, Oh, you of little faith, let our faith be bolstered because of the work of God. Let us trust in our Savior. Let us trust in our Father in heaven. Now, there may be times where our faith struggles, and we may need to be like the man in Mark 9, verse 24, who says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I trust in you. I trust. I know I don't need to worry, but help me have more faith. Help me because I am struggling in this area. And that's why I love that that statement in Mark 9, that grace that God gives us when our faith is weak, that we can cry out, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me to not worry. Now, Jesus clearly loves the created order. He created, he said that it is good. He cares for us. Even at the end of Jonah, the last verse of Jonah speaks to even the cows. God was concerned about judging Nineveh even for the cows, is what he says. And I love that verse. It shows God's care for his creation. And so he loves his created order, but most specially, that which he created in his own image. He created us male and female. He created us in his own image. So if he loves the birds and the lilies, he most especially loves us. And even more especially, does he love his elect? Does he love those who are in Christ, the people of God, the redeemed in Christ? So if you are in Christ, you are chosen. You are adopted. You are loved. You are the temple of God. You abide in Christ. You are co-heirs with Christ. 
He has shown you special favor. Special favor in his son who he sent to die for us on the cross. He sent for his people that he would redeem his people. And it's a favor that's not by our own merit. It's not by our own doing. It's not by our own work. But it's wholly through his grace. And it far surpasses the grace that he shows the birds and the lilies. His special favor far surpasses that that he shows the birds and the lilies. And that is his point, is that so much more can we trust in him. And he continues in verses 31 through 34 that in light of Jesus' command illustrated in the birds and lilies, this is how you are to live. He says in, in verse 31, therefore. So again, we see another therefore, which always points us back to what someone has once said. So he's saying in light of these things I'm telling you, In light of what I'm telling you about the birds, about the lilies, in light of this, what does he say? He again says, do not worry. And I know the KJV says, do not give thought. Again, it's that idea of not giving undue thought, undue position to something in our lives, to not worry, to not have anxiety. And so he's saying, in light of these things, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Do you know what the most common command is in the Bible? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid is actually the most common command in the Bible. Over 300 times it is used in the biblical text. Do not be afraid. Ed Welch is a biblical counselor. He wrote a very helpful book on anxiety and fear called Running Scared. And in it, he writes, fear quickly hits the default switch and it opts for independence, control, and self-protection. So he's saying it hits this default switch that within us, when we are afraid, we, we, we seek independence, independence from God. We try to put things back into our own hands, and that's, that only creates more worry. It only creates more anxiety because we are not sovereign over things, but God is. And so when we hit that default switch and, and, and fear causes us to worry, we naturally try to seek control. We naturally try to make control over things. And so Ed Welch goes on to say that when our feelings conflict with God's communication, we must side with God's interpretation. Any other decision puts us above God. So anytime that our feelings conflict with what God has communicated, we must side with what God has said, what God has spoken, not with our feelings. Not with our feelings. We are, to, we are to side with God. And what does he say? Well, he calls us not to worry. What did Jesus tell us to do? He called us to not be anxious. That we can have faith. And it won't be natural to us. It won't be natural, but that is why we must look with faith towards our sovereign God. So don't worry about food or drink or clothes, which he's citing the basics, right? These are things that we actually must have. If any of us went out without our clothes this evening, we would freeze to death very quickly. So we can all appreciate clothing. We all know its importance. We know that it is basic to us and to our needs. We know how basic food is. And yet even those most basic things that we require, we can trust in God for. We don't have to worry. And he continues in verse 32 with a very frank warning. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For, uh, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. 
So when we live in a state of worry and anxiety, he's saying we are living like the Gentiles. We're literally living practically like unbelievers. That, that when we have, have incessant worrying and we, we continue to have anxiety, we are living like an unbeliever. Because we're saying that God's sovereign hand is not in control of this aspect of our life in this situation, whatever that might be. So if we are confident in him, we would not worry. And we may feel many of the same effects of living in the fallen world as an unbeliever because we live in that same world as the Gentiles. There are plenty of things that have the potential to cause fear and anxiety. We still live in a fallen world, yet our response should look much different than the Gentiles. We, we encounter many of those same struggles, but how we get through those struggles is completely different. It's a whole different way of life as we trust in God. And he gives us the great comfort after warning us that this is how the Gentiles live. He says, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. God knows that we need clothing tonight when we leave this church and even in this church. But God knows these things. He knows that we need food. He knows our needs and he will provide for them. What a great comfort that we can take rest in that, that we can rest in the fact that he knows our needs. He knows them before we even state them. And he is a gracious God, a gracious father. And he goes on to say what we should seek in verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. That we should seek first the kingdom of of God, that we should be about his work, about his business, that we should be about kingdom living. And Lord, the Lord knows what to provide us with. It's like the Israelites in the wilderness were provided manna from heaven, enough for each day, sufficient for each day the Lord cared for them. And so he will with us. He will care for us. And we seek him. We don't seek his benefits we don't seek what we think he may give us as though he's some eternal genie, but we seek the kingdom of God, and he will take care of the rest. He will provide for us. He is teaching us that he will more than provide, but he will do it according to what is sufficient to us. I love the way that the scriptures speak in Proverbs 30, verse 8. He writes, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted me, lest I be full and deny you. And say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still and profane the name of God. So the wise writer of this proverb understands, Lord, give me what is sufficient. Don't give me too much. Don't give me too little. Give me what is sufficient for me. I love the way that that is written, and that is the, the type of life that Jesus is pointing us to, a life that depends upon him, a life that trusts in him. And so the bottom line of all this, if it hasn't been clear already, he says again in verse 34, therefore, so again, in light of everything I have told you, in light of all these realities of how God cares for the birds so well, how, how he clothes the lilies in light of all these truths, I'm telling you about anxiety, about worrying, do what? Don't worry. Once again, in verse 34, he says, do not worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry 
about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The reality is, is that there will be trouble. Jesus recognizes that. It would be easy for him to get through this text, and then the audience thinks, yes, but you don't know what's going on in my life. Well, Jesus clearly does. He says, sufficient for today is its own trouble. He understands that we live in a fallen world. He knows the situations that we live in. And we are so prone to saying, yes, God, I believe this. Lord, I know this to be true. But, and we insert a but. Lord, I know that you are sovereign, but this is different than the times before. Or this, this is a lot worse than anything I've encountered before. And so we say, yes, God, but. And it undoes everything that we previously said. And so we must remove that but and say, yes, God, I trust in you, period. That's the end of that sentence, because I trust in God. I recognize that God will provide, that we don't have to worry, that we can trust in him. He knows that our lives are filled with trouble, but let us not worry about that trouble. So Jesus, he calls upon us to trust in him. It's It's a faith that surpasses anything that this life can throw at us. Anything that we may encounter, it surpasses that. For our Father in heaven, he loves us. He loves us more than the birds, than the lilies. He sent his son to die for us. And we can take comfort in that. We can take comfort in him and his care. So let us all take our cue from the created order. Let us Take our cue from the created order. Look to the birds of the sky. Look to the lilies of the field and remind yourself of God's tender care over your life. Take comfort in that. Rest in the shadow of his wings. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that we can indeed rest in the shadow of your wings. We thank you that you are sovereign over our lives, Lord, that your sovereign, sovereignty is meticulous in your providences and in your care. Lord, we pray that you would help us to have faith in this, for it is easy for us to have unbelief. It is easy for us to worry and to have anxiety as the troubles of this life come upon us. Help us to cast our cares to you. Help us to be encouraged in our faith. Help us to take our cue from the birds and the lilies of the field. And help us to be about the kingdom of God. Let that be our focus, that we would live kingdom-oriented lives And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.